Okay. So this is our pre-Pesach shir, pre-Pesach Parsha class. Not on the Parsha, on the Haggadah, on Pesach. Um, Pesach, Seder night. Who, who doesn't have, I mean, hope most of us have fond memories of, of Seder night. Whether our own families, other people's families, someone else's house, grandparents perhaps, maybe even children, grandchildren. Um, but Seder night um, invokes a lot of very fond memories and emotions and feelings for, for good, good cause, for good reason. Try to share with you, to start off, I want to share with you a very, very um, beautiful story that I heard. I think I may have shared this with you before, but it's a good story. It's worth it to hear it again. There's once a guy, a man, his name was Rabbi Binyamin Schechter. He was a man who lived in, in Brooklyn. Nice man, nice fellow. He used to stand by the corner by the bus stop waiting for the bus every morning. And people used to walk by, they noticed him. But there was one particular guy that noticed that this guy, Binyamin Schechter, Although he always was waiting by the bus stop, somehow he never made it onto the bus. He was never on the bus. Buses came, and people thought maybe that wasn't the right bus. And then the next bus came. But this one particular man noticed that as the buses kept on going, he never got onto the bus, ever. And then eventually he went home. So he approached this Rabbi Binyamin Shachter, and he asked him, you're not waiting for the bus, are you? Otherwise, you would be going on the bus. What happened? What's going on here? So Rabbi Shachter tells him, I, indeed, I am waiting for bus for the buses. But not for the city bus. I don't need to go anywhere. I'm an old man. I'm retired. I'm not going anywhere. I'm waiting, and I count the yellow school buses. Because, you see, I... He says, I'm a Holocaust survivor. I witnessed the destruction, the murder, the mass murder, the decimation of practically an entire nation, family, hometown, and I survive. And every morning, I stand outside counting the yellow school buses of Jewish children on the way to school. One, two, three, 26 buses pass by this block every single morning. And that's my revenge. There is going to be a continuation to the Jewish people. They did not succeed to destroy us. To me, this, this is really what, what Pesach is all about. Pesach the Seder night, it's about, it's about the continuation of the Jewish people. It's about the past and the present, obviously, and the future. We start off, if anyone has the Haggadah, I don't know which ones you have, but right in the beginning of Magid. So in, in my Haggadah, if anyone happens to have the same one as this one, 
the Art Scroll classic family Haggadah. If you don't, it's fine. I'll read it to you. It starts off like this. Ha Lachma Anya. This is the beginning of Magid. If anyone tried reading the Hebrew words, they'll notice that this is not in Hebrew. It's in a different language. It's in the language of the Gemara. It's in Aramaic. It's in a different language. It's very hard to read the words. But either way, it says, Halach Manya, this is the bread of affliction pointing to our matzah. We take the matzah, the afikoma that we just cracked in half, we lift it up and say, this is the bread of affliction. The achala of asana of Mitzrayim, that our grandparents, that our forefathers, that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. And we hold up our matzah, and we say, this is it. This is the bread that they ate. Why is it so significant? The first introduction, we're starting off the Pesach Seder. What are we starting off with? This is the bread. This is the bread that they ate in Egypt. And we hold our bread, our matzah, matzah bread, our matzah crackers. Why is it so important? Why are we starting off Magad? Magad is the point of the Seder where we go through all the different um, stories and the different um, miracles that happened during the time of, of, of the exodus of Egypt. And the first thing you mention is the, is, is the bread. I thought, I saw a, a beautiful thought from Rabbi, Rabbi Breuer. Um, he says as follows. I'm going to use his thought to tie into this idea. He says, we as a nation, the Jewish nation, are very unique. Do you know why you were so unique? The main, well, not the main reason, but one of the reasons that we are so unique as a Jewish people is that we are the only nation in the world that can claim that we have had a central part to history since the creation, since, since the Jewish people were became a people. We have been a central part to history throughout history. In every generation, there's always been a, a, a Jewish story that ties into world history. And we're the only nation that can claim that as well as claim that we will be a central part of the future as well. We have a, um, a uh, guarantee, a promise from God, a promise from Hashem, which is spoken about later on in the in the in the Haggadah, it says, "V'hishanu v'asenu, b'chod avodar." In every generation, I'm the malenu l'chalasenu. They stand up to destroy us. V'akadosh Baruch Hu and God rescues us from their hands. God promises us, they will batter you, they will bend you, but they will never break you. You will always exist. The Jewish people will always exist, and they will be a central part. Just like we were in the past, we will be in the future. So he explains like this. The Seder, there's no talk, or at least almost no talk during Seder night of religion, religious dogma, nor do we mention the greatness of our founders, the Abraham, we mention his name, we say a story about it, but we're not busy 
trumping up all the amazing things that happened then, nor are we doing it about Moshe, about Moses. That's not the agenda of the Pesach Seder. The agenda of the Pesach Seder is not propaganda, how our religion is the best religion. There's nothing of that sort. The Pesach Seder is about history. It's a story. It's a story of the birth of, of the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. That's what it is. It's almost like a bedtime story. We're telling our children, and our fathers told us, and our grandparents, or our teachers, or our rabbis, told us a story, a story that happened to their grandfather, who in turn heard the story from their grandfather. And by the first Pesach Seder, there were 600,000 men, 600,000 roughly, I'm assuming, women, and multitudes of children. And they sat by their Pesach Seder, and they talked about the story that happened to them last year. This is what happened to them. The great miracles, all that stuff. And this is what happened to us. It's a story that happened to us. And their children heard the story from them. And they told their children, this is the story that our father told us. And then the next generation told them, etc. So on and so forth. Similar, I don't want to compare the two because they're not comparable. Similar to the, the Holocaust where most of us heard the Holocaust story firsthand. But the next generation, it's going to be almost just as real because they're going to hear from us. And it's a story. It's not a debatable fact. It's not an archaeological event. They're not digging things up and proving that it happened because they found a pair of scissors that are rusty or they proving someone in the world that it didn't happen because of whatever... Mishagas, they decide it's a story that my father, my grandfather told me. That's all it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. It's so much more than an intellectual discussion. It's a story. It's the story of the birth of our people that our parents and grandparents told us. While scholars, history professors, all the and the like. They quarrel and they debate all the different details. Perhaps they happen of the, of the exodus, of the splitting of the sea. They debate it. Perhaps it could have happened this way. Perhaps it could have happened that way. It could have never happened at all. For sure happened. They'll bring proof this way or that way. It's all a moot point. It's all irrelevant. Because to us, it's a story. It's a story that my father told me and his father told him. It's as simple as that. It's as true as it gets. Because my father told me the story that he heard from his father. It's a link to a chain that's never broken. That's what the Pesach Seder, the Pesach story, is all about. And with that, I'm going to continue on. We're going to continue on right in the beginning of Magid. We start off like this. Halach ma'anya. This is the bread that my grandfather ate in Egypt. We're not just starting the Pesach Seder with another story with the matzah or the crackers. We're showing the bread, the matzah. This is the matzah that they ate. You're describing the story 
I'm showing the story. This is the matzah that my grandfather told me, that his grandfather told him, that his grandfather told him. This is the matzah that they ate in Egypt. We're, put, we're putting, we're depicting the story as if we were there ourselves. In fact, the, the, the law is, and the Torah tells us, that our duty and our ultimate goal for the Pesach Seder is to, be, to make it or to feel as if we were there. As if we ourselves were taken out of Egypt ourselves, which is what we're trying to do. That's why the Pesach, perhaps, that's why, one of the reasons why the first introduction to the Magen, to the telling over the story, is Halach Manya. This is the matzah. This is the matzah that they ate. And let us continue. The next thing we're going to talk, the next part of the Seder, is Manashtana, where the children ask the four questions. I'm going to just pass over that. And then the answer, what are the four questions? Why are we doing all these funny things, basically? Why are we only eating matzah, not chametz? Why do we eat maror, bitter herbs, on, on Pesach night? Why do we dip so many, twice Pesach night? We dip the carpas into the salt water. We did the vegetable in the salt water and we did the marar into haroses. And the fourth question is why do we lean on the Pesach, during the Pesach Seder? Four questions. Strange things we do on Seder night. The answer is Avadim Ayilu were slaves to our, our grandparents. We, we, again, we're supposed to feel like we were there. So we say we, our grandparents, and us, we were there. We were slaves to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh in Egypt. And God took us out from Egypt with a strong, um, with a mighty hand, and with an outstretched arm. And then there's very interesting words. I'm going to read them to you in English as well as Hebrew. With God, and if, had not the Holy One, blessed be, taken our fathers out from Egypt, then we, our children, and our children's children would have remained subservient to Pharaoh in Egypt till this day. And even, even if we were all scholars, we were all knowledgeable in Torah, we were all old and wise. We all knew all of the Torah. Still, mitzvah aleinu is an obligation, is a mitzvah for us, the saper, to tell. Be it Mitzrayim. In English, they translate the word be it Mitzrayim. They tell about the exodus from Egypt. The word be it Mitzrayim literally means that you tell like from within, because the be means in, from inside. You tell from within that story of Exodus. One who, the more someone tells, the more someone tells over the story, the more one um, gives over the story of the Exodus, it is praiseworthy. The more he is praiseworthy. So the question on this point is, is as follows. First of all, we mentioned before the Bayes. Why is it? Be it it's from within the exodus of Egypt instead of the exodus. 
called Hamarba Lesaper Yitzias Mitzrayim or Al Yitzias Mitzrayim. It's the wrong letter. It's the letter Beis means from inside or from within. And then the second point is, what does this mean? The more we talk about the Harizim and Shubach, right? Does the Torah tell us that the more we dance on Simcha's Torah, the more the holier we are? Now, perhaps it's true. The more we dance on Simcha's Torah, the, 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 the more special we are. But the Torah doesn't tell us that. There's a specific obligation on Seder night, Pesach Seder, to go on and on and on as long as you can, talking about the story. You don't find that in any other place. I actually found that in a few other places, but not on the same magnitude in a, in a, in a uh, figurative way. It's mentioned in other places. To give as much charity as you can. And the more charity you give, the, 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 the more praiseworthy you are. But for the most part, it is not, it's not the terminology that's used. So what is so significant about the Pesach Seder? Okay. And we're going to get back to this in a moment. I'm just going to continue to the next paragraph. The next paragraph, there's a very interesting story. I'll just say the story over. There was, remember the Eliezer was, these were all great sages in the times of the Mishnah. They lived right around the temple, right around the era where the second temple got destroyed. Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Tarvo. Five scholars, five big rabbis. Shehayu misubim b'nei Brak. They were gathered around in b'nei Brak. B'nei Brak is a city in Israel today. I don't believe it's in the same place. They just borrowed the name for the city. So if anyone went to b'nei Brak, then... Um, they went to B'nai Brak, but it's not the same B'nai Brak. Rabbi, where do you think it was prior? I have no idea. Oh, I didn't I know if no it was idea. near Jerusalem. Sorry to interrupt. I thought maybe near Jerusalem or something. I don't know. It's it's possible. It's presumably somewhere near there. But yeah. but I, I don't I have no idea. Thank you. And what do they do? They were talking about the story, about the miracles of the Exodus, the whole night. Ad until their students came. And the students told them, Rabbi and told their sages, our teachers, our teachers, it has come time to read the morning Kriya Shema. Already past daybreak. So the question is as follows. First of all, it's a very nice story, but presumably, at least in that era, most of the rabbis or the great sages stayed up all night saying over this story. We can definitely learn a lesson that they were up the whole night saying over the story. However, what's so significant about the significant about the story? They stayed up the whole night with this, and then also, and then their students had to come and tell them that it's time for for, for daybreak. Or it's time for to say kriya shema. To say Shema, it seems like a very interesting thing. They didn't notice themselves. But what was going on there? Where were the students the whole night? Were they with them? Were they not with them? So it's a very interesting um, story. And we don't just say over random stories. It's clearly a, a significance to this story. So I'm going to just sort of Schwab. 
of Shimon Schwab, who was the leader of the German community in in uh, in America, in, in Washington Heights, in in in, uh, in, the, in Manhattan. He, he grew up in, 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 in he grew up in Frankfurt in Germany and he was born in 1926. He studied among the greatest yeshivas in Europe, Tell's yeshiva in Europe, Mir yeshiva in Europe, which is not a very common thing for the German Jews to move over to the Lithuanian yeshivas. But be it as it may, that's what he did. And he became a rabbi in in Germany before the war very, very briefly. And he, I'm sorry, I said he was born in 1986. He was most certainly not. He was born in 1908, 1908. He went to yeshiva in 1926. And my math, I was like thinking he was a rabbi before the war. It would be very hard pressed to be born in 1926 and pull that off. He was born in 1908. He became a rabbi before the war in Germany. And he, the whole situation in Germany in the early 30s, he ended up um, traveling to the United States to become a rabbi in Baltimore. He, he was the rabbi in Baltimore for a number of years before he took the job as being the rabbi of the entire community of. Um, the German community of of uh, of uh, in Manhattan in Washington Heights. So I'm going to share with you a thought he talks about in a few different places. He mentions it in one of his English books, English Svarim. He mentions it in one of his Hebrew Svarim, a few different places. And he says like this: the 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 Haggadah later on tells us, "Vayotzi einu Hashem mimetzrayim." God took us out of Egypt, biyod chazaga with a mighty hand, an uvezroy on the Torah and an outstretched arm, uvemoragadol with great awe, uveosos, and with signs, uvemayfsim and with wonders. And then the Haggadah goes and. He extrapolates and different um, um, things from each and every word. Says, God Himself took us out of Egypt. The, the Haggadah says like this: Lo al malach, not through an angel. Velo al saraf, and not through a saraf. Saraf is a different type of angel. Velo al shliach nor did he take us out with any other messenger, even though we have Moses. Moshe was the one who was our leader, but God himself took us out. He didn't take us out through Moshe. He took us out with his own, um, God's own glory. God took us out, he himself, in his glory, himself, as it says, and it goes to the different proofs, different sources. So Rav Shwab says that this idea is the most important, the most fundamental idea of the entire Pesach Zedim. God himself was the one who took us out of Egypt and he didn't use anyone else. No one else. There's no intermediaries. There's no shluchim. There's no, there's no emissaries. There's no angels. God himself. Why is this important? What's important about this? Why couldn't he use a messenger? Why did he have to take us out of himself? 
So he invokes a uh, famous um, concept that a fundamental Torah concept that we mentioned here before from the Ramban. Ramban, um, in English, they, they call him Nachmanides. The Ramban um, says over in the end of Parsha's bow, one of the famous Rambans that, that they teach in, in all the shivas in the schools, they make sure all the kids know this backwards and forwards. And the Ramban asks a very, very interesting question. He says, why did God have to make all these fireworks, all these fascinating miracles, by the exodus of Egypt, when he took the Jews out of Egypt, why couldn't he just, right, just disappear, <laughs> vaporize all the Egyptians? The Jews leave and life's good, right? He made all these incredible miracles, he performed the ten plagues, and each of the intricate details of each plague split the sea, split the Red Sea. What was this important? So the Ramban explains that there's two fundamental parts, and I don't want to get into the details of the Ramban because I don't know if we're going to have time, but he explains basically that there's two parts of our connection and our belief in God, our belief in Hashem. The first part is, is God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh day. And that was the greatest display of God's strength, God's might, God's um, one, it's called oneness, he is on his own plane with no one else can be connected to that at all. He was able to create something from nothing. But for this, for that event, we have very little, very little. We have very few commandments, very few memories. There's only one main mitzvah that we have that commemorates the creation, which is Shabbos. We, we work for six days and we rest on the seventh day. But besides for that, even on Shabbos itself, we only say in to commemorate the creation of the world. We say it one time, my Kiddush. However, throughout the year, throughout the different holidays, the Yom Tovim, Kiddush, etc., 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 we keep on repeating a different phrase called to commemorate the exodus from Egypt. Why is this so significant? says the Ramban, because at the time of the creation of the world, there were no witnesses. No one was alive. There were no human beings. No one saw it. Adam was created at the end. After the whole world was all created, God created Adam. There was no one there. So God wants us to connect to him, to be able to see a snippet, to be able to get a taste of what God is. Obviously, we can never fathom the ultimate levels of God. A human being cannot even comprehend it. Even the angels, no one can comprehend it. But God wants us to give us a taste to be able to connect and go, wow, that is so clear with a teeny, 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 teeny little bit of room to error, but 99.999% clear to that generation. So God opens it up, allows us in to be able to see clarity and understanding the miracles, the awesomeness the fireworks, the splendor, the amazing level of clarity that the Jews saw then, that was beyond belief. That's why we repeat all the time, to remind us of the exodus from Egypt. Because that was when the Jewish people saw God. They saw God in the 
ultimate level that a human being can possibly perceive God. Obviously not in the fullest extent, but in the highest level that a human being can possibly perceive God, they saw God. That is something that we need to have forever and ever and ever. That's why God says, me, myself, only me, I'm the one. And that, says Rav Schwab, is the part, the piece of the puzzle, the part of the Pesach Zeder that we are supposed to be connecting to. That one detail is the most important part of the Pesach Zeder. The fact that God says, that I did this all by myself and I opened it up and everyone saw God's glory. Everyone saw God's oneness. Me, myself, God is saying, me, myself, I was the one who took you out. All of my glory. No angels helped me. You didn't just see the toenails of the angels. You saw God himself. And that generation, that's what they were telling their children. You cannot even imagine. We saw God himself in the highest level a human can possibly fathom before it just becomes incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. That is what they were telling their children by the first Pesach Seder. They were telling their children, we saw God in the ultimate way possible. And he, they were describing the amazing, awesome miracles that God performed. This is, is just, you can't even, you can't even, you can't, you can't, you can't swap that for anything else. It was so clear. And that's what they told their children. And that's what their children told their children. And that's what their children told their children. And if you follow me through for another 20 minutes, that's what our parents and our or and or our teachers told us. Literally, that's the idea. And when we connect to this concept of the ultimate level that God did this all by himself, and we build on it, and we feel that the whole idea and the whole purpose of all these miracles and the whole purpose of the Pesach Seder is to connect to the fact that Hashem himself was the one who showed us on this magnificent display, this grand, grand display. All these miracles, we saw the splendor of God. That is what the Pesach Seder is all about. And now I want to go back to try to answer all the questions with this thought from a Schwab. So the story goes like this. In the first paragraph, it says, we were slaves in Egypt. And if God did not take us out from Egypt, we would still be slaves there, but we would still, even if we were great sages, we would have to still say over the story, but now, now that God himself took us out, and it's not just a story, it's not just a display of something that we can get down to the finish line and we can explain the whole story. It is something that is beyond explanation. We can try and we can do as best as we can, but we will never fully be able to, let alone comprehend it, but to be able to express it. How can we express it? It's something that's just, just, just the tip of a human grasp, let alone express it in one night. So then the Haggadah says, Mitzvah aleinu l'sapar b'yitzis mitzrayim. It's an obligation for us to discuss and talk over from within 
the story of the Exodus because we will never finish because it's impossible to finish because it's impossible to express God's glory in its, in its complete way. But we can do, we can, we can spend the whole night on it, that's for sure. So we can, our duty is to go and explain and talk about the story as best as we could, as, mo, as much as we can. Now, the, the more someone talks about it, the greater he is, the more praiseworthy he is. Because there is no end. The idea of the whole Pesach Seder night is that there is no end. We're trying to discuss and talk about God's miracles and God's oneness and how awesome the whole story was. There is no end. There's no end. How can there be an end? We're talking about God himself. How can there possibly be an end of God himself? So the obligation is to just talk about it as much as we can. And if we're able to, the whole night, like they did. And then it segues perfectly into the next story. The story with the big rabbis, the great sages, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Tarifan, they were staying up the whole night. What were they doing? They were saying over the story, the exodus from Egypt. And what happens? Their students come in. What do the students tell them? This is the time to say Shema. What does Shema mean? We all are familiar with the words of Shema. What do the words Shema Yisrael mean? Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel, Hashem, God, Elokeinu, our master, our God, Hashem, our God, Echad, is one. The word Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem, Echad, is the declaration that we say every morning and every night, hopefully, or at least we say once in a while. God is one. God is one. God is one. God is above anything else in his own league. God is in his own league. No one else, nothing else in the entire universe of creation can ever come close to God's oneness. God is unique and one. So it wasn't that their students, this is what Rabbi Schwab says, it wasn't that his students were telling him that it was time on the watch, on the clock, it was time to say Shema. Rather, the students were telling him, the rabbis, what better time than now to declare God being our God. God is the one God. We have just spent the entire night talking about the awesome miracles that God performed, how great the miracles were, how great the whole story was, how great God is, how perfect what God is, how amazing God is, and how he's our God, and the whole display and all the fireworks are all just to prove this one point that God is, is one and God is unique, and there's only one God. Say the students, now should be the perfect time to say Shema, to declare God, again, to recertify to redeclare every day that, like we do, this is the perfect time to say God is our God, God is one. What better time? What better time than now? So that basically concludes the 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 whole thought, the basic idea. I just want to review to get all the points um, again. Basically, what we said was that God created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh day, which was Shabbos. And for that, we have one commandment. And we have a mention here, a mention there. And because that was the idea 
that God created the world. It's the idea that God was able to create the world, yesh me'ayin, something from nothing. And there was nothing, no one, nothing before God. God created everything. But there was no witnesses. There were no witnesses there. There were no human being witnesses. So God, um, God, instead of just taking us out of Egypt um, quietly, God performed enormous amounts of bombastic amounts of, uh, of miracles and a huge display of his power and his strength. In fact, by almost all of the makos, almost all of the ten plagues, we think that the ten plagues were a, were a punishment or nekama to pay back the Egyptians, which they most certainly were. But every single plague, you know what God says? God says, Leman Yedu, so that they should know, the world should know, Ki Hashem, Hashem, for I am God, in different variations of the word throughout the different makos. But each of the makos is the same thought, the same idea, for the world, so that the world should know that I am God and I am one, so that the world should know that I am the all-powerful. It was a display, the purpose of the makos was a display of God's might, of God's strength, that we should be able to see something. We should be able to connect as the Jewish people to be able to see something and have an anchor to anchor us in that God showed us in the truest form that he is one God. And that was told over to their children and their grandchildren and their grandchildren until we get to us. And it's our duty to be a part of this chain, to be a link in this chain and hopefully to connect ourselves to connect ourselves on top and to have a connection on the bottom to have someone on top of us hopefully under us as well this is what it's all about this is what the Pesach said is all about to connect ourselves to connect ourselves to the link to the chain all the way up to that first generation themselves and to remember that it's not just a story it's not historical facts that we can prove or we are supposed to be proving and disproving. And again, if it helps you, it makes you feel better, then it, right, go for it. Right, read up all about, about how they proved all these archaeological facts and they dug this up and they dug that up. But that's not the point. The point is, this is the story that we heard from our rabbis, from our teachers, from our parents, and they heard that from their parents and grandparents. And this is real. This is this is real. This is a real story. This is as if as if we were there ourselves, because we're connected to the chain. And that's the point. That's the powerful point, importance of the Pesach Seder. Alrighty. Have a good Shabbos, everyone. That's